Thank you for joining me for this episode of People Know Stuff. If you know stuff, I'd like you to be a guest on my program. Please visit my website and drop me a line. Hi, this is Deborah Butler, and thanks for joining me for my podcast, People Know Stuff. And today, I am very happy to have Andrew Goertz with me. Andrew is a Regents professor. He's also a distinguished university professor in the Institute for Biomedical Sciences at Georgia State University. And I welcome you, Andrew. Thanks so much for being with me. All right. Glad to be here. So Andrew, um, his area of expertise is around intestinal diseases. And this is something that um, I think is top of mind for many of us because intestinal diseases manifest outside of the intestine. And in fact, we know that there is a connection between the, the state of your intestines and the operating of your brain and your metabolism. And I will say that Andrew has an incredibly wide range of knowledge and he has agreed to share three things that he feels would be particularly valuable for the everyday person to hear regarding what he does know. And I want to stress again, Andrew knows a lot so, Andrew, thanks for bringing what you All right. No, no problem. Um, yeah. yeah, we, we do think a lot of um, things that happen in the intestine will, will impact a variety of organs. And something we say in the field is that um, the intestine is not Las Vegas. So what happens in the gut does not stay in the gut. It goes out. There you go. That's great. <laughs> So before we started, um, I have such admiration for Andrew because he said, okay, here are my points. And I told him to identify three. So roll with it, Andrew. All right. So I I think the first point is that the intestine is not sterile. Uh, In fact, it it harbors an enormous community of microbes. A hundred trillion um, microbes live in the intestine. And they're a diverse population. They haven't been appreciated for a long time because they were hard to study and hard to understand. But that's really changed over the past 10 to 15 years or so. Uh, And we're starting to understand a lot more about these communities and realize that they're part of what makes uh, us unique as individuals. So everyone's microbiota is complex, but everyone's is unique. So I would say that's point number one. Okay. Um, Point number two is that this uh, microbial community in your intestine is very important for for health. Uh, It does a lot of beneficial things. It helps with digestion and metabolism, produces a lot of things that uh, humans need, are, are not able to produce themselves, but it can also cause a lot of problems. So if those microbes are not well regulated, if they're not in the wrong place, if the communities become out of balance, that they can promote a variety of chronic inflammatory diseases. And then the third point is that you can help keep your microbial community healthy by taking good care of it, feeding it uh, a lot of good nourishment, especially foods that are naturally rich in uh, fiber. That's the main food of the microbiome. 
and avoiding uh, excessive exposure to uh, chemicals, a lot of food additives, and, and even unnecessary antibiotics can cause a lot of problems and disturb that. Yeah. This is three real core um, messages. The one of them, the first one, that you have this community microbiota. And I think people kind of know that if they read it all, but a hundred trillion, a hundred trillion microbes, um, yeah. and they all matter and, and that we can impact them and they will impact us. I mean, that's a huge thing to think about that it is a relationship between us and them. And yeah, that is absolutely correct. And it's, I, I think it's a relationship that I wouldn't view it as, as an equal relationship because the, the bacteria aren't uh, going to manage themselves. Uh, I think as, as people, we, we need to do the right things to manage that community and keep it in check. And then, then it, will, it will work for us and benefit us. Yeah. So, so zeroing in on what you say, managing the community and again, recognizing you are managing a community and you nailed the two things that we can do that. And I like that. It's only, we're only identifying two people can, <laughs> they can have within their command do things. Um, but focusing on fiber and avoiding chemicals. So, yeah. you know, say more about that. Cause I think that's really where the action is. Okay. So uh, as far as the fiber, so th this community uh, of microbes, and it's mostly my, my focus is on the bacteria, and those seem to be the dominant uh, members of the community, both by, by numbers and function, but it does contain uh, fungi as well, and certain types of viruses, um, some of which are called phages that live in bacteria, but uh, the predominant is bacteria. And these bacteria, they need food. And if you eat a meal that um, is primarily very simple sugars, um, those are quickly absorbed high up in the intestinal tract. And that leaves very little food for the microbes. Their, their food is, uh, are things that people don't digest well. So all the plant products, uh, primarily, some of the nutrients will be easily um, digested and broken down by uh, the, the human component of our, our digestive systems and taken up uh, high up in the intestinal tract, but the fiber makes it all the way down to the colon. And when bacteria metabolize this, it, it keeps them happy. And when the bacteria are happy, that, that keeps um, the colon happy and, and the whole body happy, really. One of the main products of bacteria digesting fiber is something called short chain fatty acids. Um, these are some of these aren't the sweetest smelling things, but they're they're very healthy products. They are uh, a fuel for colon cells, so they keep those cells happy, and they have a lot of beneficial metabolic effects. They keep the immune system healthy, and uh, they also uh, promote insulin signaling, and a variety of other metabolic processes. So these short chain fatty acids are, 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 are really helpful. Okay. So let me, let me stop you for a minute and yep. just do some highlighting. Sure. So bacteria. Yep. 
bacteria is your friend. Happy bacteria, happy life. Sort of like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so you're wed to the bacteria, whether you like yep. it or not. And if they're starving, then it's not going to be a happy life. Correct. And, and in, will fact, in, in fact, if they're starving, what they will do is that they will consume the mucus layer that lines the colon. So they really, they do not respond well to being starved. Yeah. And I know that the mucus layer is a protection. So they will, if they're starving, they'll eat their protection. That's correct. Yeah. Well, it's a bad deal. They'll eat, if they're starving, they'll they'll eat our protection. Yeah. So (laughs) there you you go. Yeah. They don't care. They just need to get something about what what you, you also hit on something when you said that we're wedded to them. That that's absolutely correct. So I, I refer to these bacteria as our BFF or best frenemy forever. Yeah. They do all these good things when they're managed. They, they can cause trouble. And and for that reason, you you, want to keep your frenemies at a safe distance and the mucus layer does that. Yeah. So you're, they get too close to you if they're starving. Yes. And if they get, if they're, if they're, if they don't have fiber to eat, they will instead consume the mucus layer and then they've removed the they're, they're, they've removed what was protecting you from them in the first place so then you get them closer and they're they're kind of angry as well so it's it's really not um, it's, a, it's a bad life wow. then yeah bad life yeah. so they want to be fed and they're kind of like competing with i think i heard you right they're living further down and they're competing with what's higher up and what's higher up gets fed when you're eating simple sugars, but they aren't getting fed. Correct. So when you're, when you're eating mainly simple sugars, m- most of the bacteria are in the, the distal portion of, of the intestine in, in the colon. And that's right. So if you're only eating simple sugars, then there's no nutrients for those bacteria. And then they will, they will have to make do with what is available, which is your colon and start digesting that instead. So for them to be fed, for them to be fed, we need complicated food. And you're saying, let's focus on fiber. Yeah, fiber is their main uh, main. So like, you know, I just got to tell you, I know it's hard for people to get vegetables, but that's like a real fiber, you know, burst. What else? What are some? Well, a lot of fruits too. Um, but let much less so fruit juices. So grapes, apples, oranges um, you know, are all great sources of fiber if you eat the whole food. Yeah. If you're eating only apple juice, then you really lost most of them. The, then they're feeding further up and yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Lot, lots of other, um, if, if one needs to go with canned foods, for example, uh, beans are a great source of fiber. Almonds um, are a really good source of fiber, a lot of nuts and berries. So um, it's great to have access to fresh fruits and vegetables, but if you do not, um, you know, those are some pretty good alternatives. Yeah. You know, there's this discussion about um, food deserts where, you know, there's a whole portion of the population that really doesn't even have fresh fruits and vegetables available to them. They shop at the dollar general and 
Um, what what would you tell them to buy? You would say buy cans of beans. Make sure you get those. Yeah, that would that would be a good option. I mean, obviously, ideally, one would would hope there can be future changes that can get people better access to fresh foods. But in the short term, beans, nuts would be pretty good options. Raisins, prunes. You know, thing, things like that would be some of the, the non-perishable foods. Yeah. So I'm going to say them again. Beans, nuts, raisins. What yeah, about peanuts? Are peanuts okay? Um. Yeah, peanuts are okay. They're not as good a source of fiber as some others, but peanuts are, are good. And, and certainly a, a variety is best. So one of the, the parameters when, when we examine all the microbes by, by some pretty complicated methods, but we can get a sense of the, the overall population by these sequence, uh, DNA sequence-based methods. A general parameter that correlates with health is having a very diverse microbiome. So diversity is good. And you promote diversity by having a diverse diet. Yeah. So all, all of these things you're mentioning are, are, are good, but it's really good to, to, to mix it up. Yeah. And having a, a diverse diet will give you a diverse microbiome, will promote a diverse microbial. And that that's seems to be best for, for health. Yeah, I'm just feeling compassion for people who honestly, you know, are faced with the American offerings for Yeah, I I, I hear you. And it, it's something that I, I really came to appreciate through our research that um so what one of the one of the consequences of a bad microbiota for, for mice is that they, they can become quite obese. And it really made me question the idea that people who are becoming obese are simply lacking in willpower um, and uh, re- realizing that um, some people will become obese simply having access to, to, to poor foods. It's going to alter the microbiota in a, in a way that will cause them to eat more. Um, since diet is, is controlled by, by the brain and by satiety signaling and um, gut bacteria can, can alter these. And once these get dysregulated, um, they have a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what you're saying is that this outbreak of obesity is very much supported by the, the limits of diverse offerings for people, especially people who are in food deserts. Yeah, I think. Um, and in some ways, unless you really get yourself to a food oasis, like a grocery store, you know, most of us are sort of living in food deserts um, where the stuff that's offered. Now, I'm going to open the door to something a little more complicated and let's talk about it for a few minutes. And that is that. Um, barrier that the bacteria break, they eat on the barrier mm-hmm. and they get through the barrier with the help of it. And I know this because I went to a previous presentation that you did the emulsifiers. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's the other end of, um, so not, not only can, um, these bacteria, uh, cause problems when they're starved, they, they can also cause problems when they are and uh, emulsifiers are a really good example 
uh, of something that we think is increasingly attacking bacteria. So, so real quick, talk about where yeah, we, because we ingest emulsifiers and just say a word or two about where they come from. Yeah. So uh, emulsifier is, it's a pretty general term that refers to something that would, would take things that wouldn't normally mix and cause them to mix in, in a stable way. So it's used to stabilize foods, make them uh, last long, a long time on a supermarket shelf. So for uh, example, a, a muffin or a cookie, if you baked it yourself um, and use natural ingredients, it would not taste very good after a few days. But you could buy Chips Ahoy or, or muffins in the supermarket and they can sit at room temp for, for months and still taste okay. And that is achieved by these chemicals called emulsifiers. And in like the late 1950s or so, um, kind of the, the boom years of food chemistry, a lot of these products were introduced and became commonly used in, in foods. And they were never even really tested very thoroughly by, by the FDA. They, they just uh, achieved this level, this designation of grass which stands for generally recognized as safe, which simply meant that they weren't toxic in the traditional sense. Um, and since the, their original introduction in the food supply, they've been used increasingly in more and more foods, lot, lots of um, you know, processed foods, things sitting on the supermarket shelf, but even a lot of um, um, fast foods that you might buy at, at a fast food restaurant. A lot of these have emulsifiers. And essentially, they're, they're synthetic molecules so that they, the common ones don't exist in nature. And um, because they are detergent-like, that bacteria perceive these as trying to um, dissolve their surfaces. So they, they really seem to activate their gene expression in, in ways that are, are trying to escape from these. And one of the things they'll do is they'll burrow into the mucus or they'll even go across the epithelium and try to find a, a safe space away from, from. So the, now they've left the intestine, essentially. The bacteria somehow, has. Yeah. And they're, 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 they, you know, obviously we don't really know what a bacteria is thinking, but they end up, they change their, their behaviors, their, their gene expression, and they end up being very close to the epithelium, something we call microbiota encroachment. And then some of them will even go across the epithelial cells. And when they do that, uh, they promote inflammation. Okay. The immune system has a variety of ways of recognizing bacteria. And it, it is important to, to activate these inflammatory signals if bacteria get across, because it will prevent those bacteria from causing an overt illness. But in the process, a lot of damage is done. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Metabolism doesn't work very well in those scenarios. Well, let's recap what we've said, um, because we open by recognizing that your range of knowledge is vast and technical. But I think we've done a good job of kind of looking at stuff that really affects us. First of all, that we do have this intestine that is full of hungry bacteria, but the really important bacteria lives deeper in the intestine and it can't be fed if 
what we're ingesting and eating is stopping at the top of the intestine because what we're, we're feeding ourselves is real simple sugars. So we need to get deeper into the intestine and feed the bacteria. And if the bacteria isn't fed, it doesn't like it. And then the consequence of it is that it can erode the separator between us and the bacteria, our frenemy. Yeah, that's correct. And what we want to avoid eating that can also further kind of anger the bacteria is these foods that have stabilizing additions to them that give it a long shelf life. And thus the dollar store is able to sell it to you after it's been there for quite some time. And when you go to the dollar store, it's really hard to find the thing that the bacteria really does want, which is fiber. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard, but you can do a better job of managing these trillion of microbiota and especially play well with the bacteria by working. And, and whatever, one has, whatever one has done to, to this point in their lives, it, it, it's not too late. Okay. Yeah. The consequences of not eating fiber or it will are, are reversible as are the consequences of emulsifiers as well. It takes a little time, but um, you know, what, whatever one has done, done in the past, you can improve it by improving it. Yeah. And that's really an up note um, that if we take better care of our bacteria, then we can move more fully into the friend category and leave the enemy category. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly correct. And that maybe one day humans will get to the point like cows where, where um, the, the bacteria are, are really more, more friend than frenemy as they are for humans. We need to take a tip from the cows, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Andrew, thank you so much. Thank you. Very All right. Much. You're welcome. All right. All right. It's been fun. Thanks. Yep. And thanks everyone for joining me for People Know Stuff. Thank you for joining me for this episode of People Know Stuff. If you know stuff, I'd like you to be a guest on my program. Please visit my website and drop me a line.